they've gotten better, but man, I still think they are beatable. I I, I really do. I think I think Johnny Wilson's going to be a handful. I think Michael Pittman's going to be uh, tough on, on this team. If if Jordan Travis has the time to get rid of the ball, there's going to be some opportunities. And you know, I think I think NC State played Clemson terribly. I mean, terribly from a schematic standpoint because they did not attack those guys down the field for about three quarters of that game. They tried it in the first quarter and it worked a couple of times. They went away from it. I think Florida State will. I, I think Florida State's way smarter than some of the stuff I've seen from NC State this year. Uh, they will attack Clemson secondary and force them to try to cover. And they're they're beatable. They, they are. These guys are just – they're still a little green. They still haven't quite figured out how to handle some – especially some of the bigger receivers uh, that, that, that they face this year. So there are, there are going to be some mismatch problems that I think Florida State can take advantage of if Travis can get rid of the ball. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I can wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear presented We are live on a beautiful Wednesday evening here in Tallahassee. Big time game coming up this weekend. Florida State will be taking on number four Clemson as Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers coming to town for a prime time matchup on ABC under the lights in Doe Campbell Stadium. There's nothing better. But we've got a long preview ahead on this week's episode. We've got a lot to talk about, but to start us off, Luckily, we're going to get some insight into Clemson and Dabo Sweeney's team with us this evening is Brad Sinkiff. He is the deputy editor for all Clemson on Fan Nation and also Sports Illustrated Network, one of our friends over there. Brad, happy to have you on the show with us tonight. Hope you're doing good. Welcome. Uh, and how you doing? Oh, Logan, I'm great, man. Glad to be here. Ready to talk about this game. Uh, this is a big one. This is one that I think a lot of people – have circled every year, uh, and this one feels a little bit different to me. I've, I've been around long enough where I've covered a lot of Florida State Clemson games. There's a little juice in this one. I'm excited about it. There, there always is, and it's been that way. I remember going up to Death Valley, and this was way back in 2013. It feels so, so long ago now, but there's always been just kind of a chippy rivalry here, even if it's not a Florida State versus Florida or Florida State versus Miami. It's built up to be – this type of rivalry just because it impacts the ACC so much. And there's nothing better. I know, like I said earlier, to start off, this is a primetime matchup. You'll have Kirk Herbstreet on the call, in the booth. It, it just feels like how it used to be now. And Florida State almost had a chance up in Death Valley. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Dabo Sweeney and his comments this week. But what's the overall feeling from practices this week getting prepared for Mike Norvell after two straight losses that the Seminoles have, have came through the last two weeks. 
Yeah, a lot of the focus has been health related, as you can imagine. Uh, Clemson's been banged up, especially on defense this year. They they've sort of taken kind of the brunt of that uh, on, on that side of the ball with the injury bug. But uh, everybody's getting healthy. If they're not, you know, pretty close to 100, percent they're at least able to go. There's only I think one player that I would consider day to day based on what Dabo Sweeney said. So I, I think the vibe around Clemson has really just been, you know, what it's going to look like to have almost their entire depth chart you know, available and able to play because they haven't had that all year. I mean, is is it's kind of weird as the season started for Clemson, you know, with the offense kind of being the focal point for a couple of games. You know, I think that defense is ready to show, you know, who they really are and all the all the stuff that came out about them in the preseason about how they were going to dominate. And I, I think there's been some time where they didn't dominate. Uh, and that, they, they want to change that this week. I think that's been the biggest thing coming out of practice. And to your point on health, I believe this is the first time all season that Clemson is supposed to have all of their top five defensive linemen available. So going into this game against Florida State, you know, that front seven has created a lot of chaos already for the Tigers through six games this season. What are you projecting to uh, with um, Xavier Thomas and, and Brian Brzee back in the lineup? It's going to be huge. In fact, I've hardly ever seen those two guys on the field together at the same time anyway. One of them has seemingly always been – banged up or hurt but um you know xt came back last week against boston college and, and thomas is one of those those defensive ends where if you just say hey man all, all you gotta do is go get the quarterback he's really good at that you know he, he, can, he can really he's good at setting the edge too but he's phenomenal when he can just rear back and go get it so you you get that element back into it to help out a guy like kj henry who's had a kind of a quietly really good year uh miles murphy's a guy who's an nfl prospect on that line and now you get Brian Brzee, who's as talented as he is, and I, I think he's one of the best players on this team. He's played three games <clears throat> all season long. Uh, so when you have one of your best players only available for three, and one of those, you know, it was not long after his sister, uh, unfortunately and tragically died from cancer. Uh, he 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 was not in really in football shape. He wasn't in mental shape. You know, it was emotionally. It was really tough on him. So I think he's had time since he's been out with a kidney infection. Uh, to, to really get get ramped up for this, so this is going to be a really different defensive front than what I what I think you've seen all year from the Tigers. What's so special about him? Just going back to Brian, what does he bring to this defense? Because we got to see him on College day, Game Day, and that was such a special piece, an emotional one. But just on the field, though, for him, he impacts this team overall. Like you said, you think he's one of the best players on Dabo Sweeney's team this season. What do you think is so special about him that pivotally, pivotally will impact FSU on offense on Saturday night? Well, Clemson is, in, in, in my opinion, the way that they're going to approach this game is they're going to try to bubble, kind of surround Jordan Travis as much as they can because they can, they're one of those teams in this country, they can get pressure up the middle. Tyler Davis has been wrecking things, but Brzee's really a guy who's just so athletic, so big and strong, 300-pounder, who moves like he's 250. You know, he's just got that that really good footwork and he's a very explosive player. And, and, and he's going to be in the backfield. He's going to do everything he can to get into that backfield. And, and that just frees up those defensive ends. You know, they don't have to, to worry about it. Uh, Clemson's been so good against the run, number two in the country. I think, what, 2.3 yards per carry this year allowed. Uh, when Brzee's in there, man, it, it makes it even tougher to try to run on them. He's, he's just big, strong. Uh, moves extremely well, a guy that NFL teams are going to covet, and you're going to hear a lot of talk about him come come draft time here in a few months. And, yeah, that was a, uh, Clemson's rushing defense was something I wanted to talk about with you because only 63.7 yards a game 
they've given up two touchdowns on the ground all season. I think only two out of the six teams they've played have gotten over 100 yards, and one of those was Furman. So I'm assuming some of that came probably in garbage time late in the game. Um, what is it about Clemson that makes them so excellent against the run and especially going to, going up against Florida State, who's got a couple capable running backs or averaging over 200 yards per game on the ground right now? What's going to be the key to shutting them down on, on Saturday? I think this is going to be a great matchup. This is strength on strength. So that's that's kind of what you want to see when in a, in a big-time primetime football game. But, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the last several years under Brent Venables. I know he's at Oklahoma now, but – he sort of set a tone there for years. It was kind of just a running line. Nobody runs on Clemson. You know, that was just kind of the thing he always threw out there. And I, this defense has taken that to, to a different level so right. far this year. I, I think it's just they're so deep a defensive tackle. I mean, I, I know we talked about Brzee, and I mentioned Tyler Davis. But they've got a guy, Ruka Rororo, who m- most people may not know who he is now, but he's a guy who's going to pop big time in the next year or two on NFL uh, draft list. He's very, very strong and talented. Most versatile tackle I think they have inside. So they plug him in, you know, when Brzee's out. Uh, they've got DeMonte Capehart, another big body guy, Trey Williams, who's just coming back from an injury. He's another guy who can stop the run. The, all those guys have played a lot of football. I, I think that's the thing, is they just got so much experience up front that they rotate so much. So it's hard to run on Clemson in the third and fourth quarter because they've rotated so much throughout the game. You don't have guys playing 60 snaps anymore. They had that last year and they were banged up. This year, they're just moving guys in and out so much that they they look more rested, you know, and as they go throughout the game. And they're able to just go 100% every play. It's not like, well, I'll take this play off and they give up four or five yards on the carry, try to make up for it on third down. That's just not their approach. Everybody on that front is going as hard as they can. And I also think the linebackers have played a huge role in that. The, this is the fastest group of linebackers Dabo Sweeney's ever had. And I've seen all of them. And this is by far, I think, the most athletic group. So when you have that and you got a linebacker who's sitting back four or five yards and he reads the run, he just gets to the line quicker than the other guys did in the past. So that's that's been a big, big, uh, I think, reason for the for the really uh, low number of rushing yards they've given up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as good as Clemson has been against the run, there have been a couple struggles against the air oh, yeah. and in my in my opinion that's the way that if Florida State is going to somehow keep it close and eventually beat Clemson on Saturday night they're gonna have to throw it and throw it often throw it well against the Tigers um what do you what do you think the Seminoles are gonna have to do in the passing game to take advantage of some of those struggles that Clemson has had well I I couldn't agree more Dustin and I and I think Clemson is susceptible on the back end uh we'll see how healthy they are they think they're getting Malcolm Green back this week he's a slot corner kind of a nickelback kind of guy uh sheridan jones is the one who's day-to-day he's a starting cornerback who hasn't played since louisiana tech game in week three he got hurt in that game uh so we don't really know if he's going to play for sure or not yet but they they think it might happen um and then they've had some young guys who are trying to grow up back there nate wiggins and toriano pride jr they've gotten better but man i still think they are beatable i i, I really do i think I think Johnny Wilson's going to be a handful. I think Michael Pittman's going to be uh, tough on, on this team. If if Jordan Travis has the time to get rid of the ball, there's going to be some opportunities. And, you know, I think I think NC State played Clemson terribly. I mean, terribly from a schematic standpoint because they did not attack those guys down the field for about three quarters of that game. They tried it in the first quarter, and it worked a couple of times. They went away from it. I think Florida State will. I, I think Florida State's way smarter than some of the stuff I've seen from NC State this year. Uh, they will attack Clemson secondary and force them to 
to try to cover. And they're they're beatable. They they are. These guys are just they're still a little green. They still haven't quite figured out how to handle some, especially some of the bigger receivers uh, that, that they face this year. So there are there are going to be some mismatch problems that I think Florida State can take advantage of if Travis can get rid of the ball. I know FSU fans in the comments, you talking about that Debo Sweeney's had the fastest linebacker he's ever had this year's unit, isn't something that they're too happy about. I don't think they're too happy to hear that. But going back to the offensive side for Florida State, you know, Jordan Travis, the last couple of games, has had some mistakes specifically in that NC State game, and it seemed like there was some miscommunication on that last play, throwing that interception to NC State. And, you know, they had a strong chance of winning that game. They go into half 17-3, to three, you know, feels pretty damn confident that they can come away with the win up there in Raleigh, which they haven't been so successful to do. What do you think just defensively, specifically on Jordan Travis, they're going to want to do around him because uh, there's a threat that he now brings than – better than he did last year, and that's more with his arm than anything. And he's played a lot smarter. I know the last two weeks doesn't tell it too well, but he's still playing good football and has seen improvement since the last couple of seasons. What do you think Dabo and the defensive side is going to try to line up against a guy that is still a dual-threat quarterback who went over 100 yards on the ru- on rushing last week? Yeah, I think, one, they 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 want to blanket him. They kind of want to put him in a bubble, you know, kind of force him where he can't get outside of, of the ends and, and try to get that pressure from up the middle. But I also think the other thing they're going to do, they're going to spy him a little bit. Uh, look for a guy like Barrett Carter, number zero, who plays all over the field. He plays at the line of scrimmage. He'll drop back and cover receivers. Uh, he's, he's sort of a safety linebacker, corner. I, he just plays defense. I don't, I don't know what you want to call him other than a defender. They're going to use him, I think, despite he is very, very quick. And then there's Trenton Simpson, the weak side linebacker, uh, who said this week that he, he he loves the challenge of playing Jordan Travis, and he thinks he can get to him and get him down. Uh, so that that's a challenge he fully accepts. That tells me he's going to probably be spying a little bit and kind of watching Travis's moves. So that's a really fast linebacker as well. So I think I think that's kind of the smart play from uh, from from Clemson's standpoint is to keep a guy all eyes on on Jordan pretty much every snap. But they've they've played – I mean, they played him before. You know, <laughs> this isn't their, their first rodeo uh, versus Travis. So, I, I, I think they'll have a pretty decent game plan. You mentioned a few players earlier, definitely, in that wide receiver room, including Johnny Wilson. This is a question on YouTube from Witt asking, what does Brad think is the biggest threat from Florida State this upcoming weekend against Clemson? I always think it's Travis. Uh, I, anytime you have, he is this dual threat of quarterback. I know we use that phrase, we throw it around a lot, but man, I, I, every time I watch him play, I, I mean, I, I really don't know what he's going to do. And he's improved his passing. I mean, you, know, I, you guys see him every day. You know, I, I've watched him as much as I can over the last four or five years, and I just can't believe how much better of a passer he is. The ball comes out better, his vision's better, it's improved greatly. You know, he, I, I just think because Clemson's susceptible to giving up big pass plays, 25 pass plays of 20 yards or more this season, this defense has allowed. Think about that, 25. The only team worse in the ACC is North Carolina. So that tells you a little bit about some of Clemson's struggles. And, you know, they, they have to worry about him running. So they're going to ha- – again, they have to spy him. So maybe that opens up some some passing lanes somewhere uh, in the open field to, to burn them. Flipping over uh, to offense for Clemson, it all kind of starts at quarterback uh, with DJ. You know, you've gotten a chance to watch him since he arrived at Clemson last year, a little bit up and down, some struggles. And then this year, 
His completion percentage is up over 8%, 14 touchdowns to two interceptions in the first six games of the year. Has also been able to get it done a little bit on the ground. What has been the biggest thing that he has improved on from last year to this year? And, you know, just can you talk about his command of the offense right now? Because it seems like he's playing pretty good football. Oh boy. Uh hard to narrow it down to one thing, Dustin. <laughs> if you if you saw him last year, he struggled with the deep ball. He struggled with the accuracy. Uh he struggled with command of the offense. He he struggled when he tried to uh, get out of the pocket and run because he had a bad knee and he couldn't move very well. And he was 30 pounds heavier than he is now. So he's approved upon all of those things. But I, I think the biggest thing is the guy just has confidence that he never had last year. Now, when you play Georgia in week one and you go against one of the greatest defenses I've ever seen in my entire life, it's it's pretty easy to get your confidence rocked. But he didn't recover from it, and, and he should have. I mean, I'm, I'm saying he should have been better than what he was. But this year he got his confidence going. And I, I think the play calling this year has been better. I think it's allowed him to sort of find his groove and not put a ton of pressure on him. And guys are making plays for him. And then all of a sudden the confidence level goes up even more. So he just believes in himself. He believes in his ability once again. And his legs have been been a, a game changer for Clemson's offense. Uh, his ability to sort of get out and run a little bit more. Teams have to, to keep an eye on that now. And Clemson's using some of those those Oklahoma Lincoln Raleigh plays where you you know you, you pull the guard around and the and the quarterback mm-hmm. runs behind him on a QB draw type thing. Clemson's using some of that. You never saw that over the last couple of years. So uh, they're they're more aggressive with just keeping him involved in the game and comfortable, and it, it's really paid off. DJ talked about it this week in preparation for Florida State. He said, "I'm definitely excited. The program itself." It's a historical program. They've had a lot of rich traditions down there. Very good team that we're going to face this week. Um, He also mentioned he's never been down here for a game in person. He talked about Jameis Winston, too. um, And he just noticed how loud it's probably going to be on Saturday night with the war chant and everything. You think DJ is ready for this kind of environment? We've seen him in primetime games. Yes, of course, we have. But going down here, and like we talked about earlier in the show, it's kind of turned into a little bit of a, a good rivalry here, definitely an ACC rivalry. You think him with the pressure on him on his shoulders to go into this game and take care of business and leave Doak with a win, you, you feel confident in him after what you've seen the last couple of weeks with his progressions? Definitely much better. Uh, you know, two years ago, he went to Notre Dame. Now it was 2020, it was covid you know, there weren't, weren't very many people in the stands, but he had that big pressure spotlight put on him as a freshman when Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID. And he stepped up and he played really well. He threw over 400 yards in that game on Notre Dame. So, you know, I, I feel like he, he understands what it takes to play in a big game. But you're right, this atmosphere is different. And I keep, I keep telling everybody in Clemson that. All week long, I keep telling them, man, a night game at Doak, it's just different. And the app and just the, the energy that Florida State is going to come out with, uh, Clemson has to match that early. And and the thing with DJ, he has gotten off to some slow starts this year. And this is the kind of game where that would be extremely problematic because I do think Florida State will be amped up for it. So he, he's going to have to handle that pressure early on. I I I wouldn't be surprised if he does have another slow start. But as the game goes along, he settles in a little bit more. But uh, he he understands he understands you know kind of the platform he's on, what's expected out of him. And we'll see if he's ready for that kind of environment. Because I, honestly, I, I can't recall a game last year that Clemson played that I think is going to be anything like they're, they're, what they're going to walk into at, at Dope. 
Dabo Sweeney also talked about Florida State this week. And you also said in the, the production meeting before we went live, you talked to, you got to hear from him today. Anything significant come out of today's press conference uh, that you'd like to bring on here? Well, I, well, I, I guess there's a couple. One, the injury stuff. I talked about some of the guys who are available. He says everybody's mm-hmm. definitely going to play or be available except Sheridan Jones, the cornerback, who's still day-to-day. So that means Brzee's definitely back. Thomas will get a lot more um, snaps this week. It sounds like everybody's about as close to 100% as they can get at this time. So the other thing he talked about was, you know, trying to simulate because none of these guys have been down there. I mean, there's a handful of guys who were there, I I guess, at 18, some of the the fifth-year guys, some of the COVID-year guys who have stuck around. But a lot of these guys have never played at Florida State, and so they really try to simulate just loudness and chaos and everything else. Because I, again, I don't think Clemson's played a game on the road that had, that, that I can even compare it to over the last two years. So most, and then nobody played in front of crowds of, of any of any real size in 2020. So you got a lot of guys who are going to face, I think, the loudest environment that they've been in. So they they just really, they worked really hard this week on trying to to get used to that as much as they could. Will Shipley, obviously the Tigers' top offensive weapon, right along there with DJ, 5.9 yards per carry so far this season, eight touchdowns on the ground, which uh, leads the team. What kind of progress has he made from his true freshman season to now? It seems like he's been able to remain healthy, which has been huge for his production. And outside of um, Shipley, can you talk about a couple Clemson offensive skill players that FSU fans should be watching out for on Saturday night? Sure. Yeah, you know, Shipley's sort of the heart and soul guy, I think, of this team. He he was the one guy that you knew before the season started was an alpha. You didn't know if DJ really had that in him or not. Now, he has shown it, I think, through six games. But this was the alpha of the team, of the offense at least. Um, he's just a guy. He plays hard every snap. Uh, he goes 100, 110% kind of guy. He he he's just He's bizarre. Like, he runs sprints as hard as he can in practice. He beats everybody in every sprint. Every practice, he wants to beat everybody on every video game. He's one of those most, you know, super ultra competitive kind of people. And he, he shows that on the football field, and he's very, very intense. But from a skill standpoint, you know, he does a lot of really good things. And he, he's able to um, – he's, he's become more of a kind of a tough runner. When he first came out of high school, I thought he was going to be more of kind of the scat back, more kind of the – you know, everybody compared him to Christian McCaffrey and all that kind of stuff. He's really just kind of been a straight ahead, you know, more up the middle kind of guy because that's what they needed him to be in this offense. So uh, he's a guy that that you know you're going to get the best effort out of Will Shipley and eight touchdowns on the season. I mean, there's not a lot of guys. There's only two other guys in the ACC with more rushing touchdowns than that. He's he's sniffs the end zone. He knows where it is. He knows how to get in there. Some other guys keeping on. Phil Moffa's a guy that I think Clipson's going to play a lot in this game. He's the backup running back. Um, he's averaging he, – he's he averaged over five yards to carry last week against Boston College. He's having a pretty solid season. Kobe Pace was the other running back. He is out for at least a month. And so I think if now that it's kind of pushed Moffa into more of a role, you're going to see him get more action in this one. He's a little change of pace. He's, he's really big. He's bigger than Shipley, uh, but he's fast. I think he's a lot faster than Shipley. Dude can run. Um, and then on the outside, I mean, obviously, you know, Bo Collins is, the, is is one of the top receivers on this team, but it's Antonio Williams that stood out. True freshman, didn't even show up on campus until June, uh, found a way into the starting lineup at this point, leads the team in receptions. He plays a lot of the slot, but they'll move him around a little bit. you got to keep an eye on him. 
And then the other one is Davis Allen. And this is the guy that makes it all go. And if Florida State can find a way to uh, not let Davis Allen affect this game, Florida State might win this game. He's that important. Tight end who blocks, but he also catches everything. And he's a guy who will line up kind of an H-back role at times. Then they'll split him out wide at receiver. And then they'll line him up more traditional tight end near the line. And then they'll kind of put him in the slot. They will put him all over the football field just so you have to designate a player on Davis Allen. And when that happens, it usually opens something up for somebody else. So that's a guy, 84, you really got to keep an eye on. I've got one last one on my end. What are some key matchups that you're looking forward to personally? I've got a few. I think Jared Verse versus Clemson's offensive line is going to be a fun one to watch. And we talked about Johnny Wilson earlier. Uh, going against Clemson's defensive backs, which one are you kind of keeping an eye on going into Saturday night that you think could be pretty fun to get the popcorn out? Yeah, I, I definitely want to see uh, well, the one I talked about a little bit earlier is Trenton Simpson following Jordan Travis around. Like that That's mm-hmm. speed versus speed, <laughs> athleticism versus athleticism. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch those two guys uh, kind of play a little cat and mouse game with each other. But yeah, I think also definitely Clemson's defensive backs uh, tr- trying to figure out a way. But I- I'm glad you brought up Verse. You know, Clemson's offensive line, I don't know that I've said they've been stellar this year, but they're greatly improved from last season. And how they handle, I think, one of the probably one of the first real pass rushers they probably played this year. NC State has some guys, there's no question, but it's more of a collective, you know, group, I think, at NC State. I want to see how they handle Verse in, in particular. Uh, Jordan McFadden's been great at left tackle. He, he's the best offensive lineman on the team. Uh, let's see if they – I, I want to see where they put Verse at, see who they match him up with uh, in this game. I I, I got a feel Florida State's going to move him around a little bit. Yeah, I guess last one for me. One, one stat that kind of blew me away when I was researching this game is Clemson is 100% when it comes to red zone scoring on the season. They, they've been in the red zone 32 times in six games, 24 touchdowns, eight field goals. I know it's different every game, every possession, depending on the the scenario. But when the Tigers have gotten down to the red zone, from what you've been able to see, what are they? What are the tendencies? What do they, they like to do down there, close to the goal line, and why have they been so successful? Well, I, I think part of the reason they've been successful is the play calling's been pretty good. Like they're they're mixing it up. Uh, you know, you're probably gonna get a dose of Shipley, but they'll throw to the tight ends. Uh, they'll they'll spread them out. They'll they'll use different you know they'll 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 do some of the RPO stuff down near the goal line but I think that most of the time they know that if whether it's going to be a pass or or a run when it's called in I, I don't know if they're doing a whole lot of that option stuff uh, down there but uh, to me the biggest thing is DJ's threat of running the ball around the goal line and it just it's another hat you know and, and you got to account for it. and because of that a tight end can slip through because somebody's watching DJ you know, can get open, uh, slot receiver. Uh, and, and, and his passes have been – just the touch on the actually has been so much better. So it's it's a it's a combination of a whole lot of things uh, that that I think Clemson's just really better at in the red zone than, they, than they've been in the last couple of years. Have you already dropped a score prediction or are y'all waiting to publish that a little closer? Yeah, we've not day? done that yet. That, that, that'll All be right. – we put that out usually on Friday. Okay, good. I didn't want to come have you come on here and say it yet. So definitely, it was a pleasure having you come on here. Y'all do a phenomenal job over there, fellow friends on the Fan Nation Network. Make sure you guys go check out their score predictions too. That's going to be on allclemson.com. 
under Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. Brad, super appreciative of you coming on here. Some great insight, full 30 minutes of some Clemson rundown. Dabo Sweeney coming into town with the number four team, coming to face Mike Norvell on Saturday night. Should be should be a fun one. Are you coming down here, Brad? I'm not going to be able to make the trip this year. I, I, okay. I've made it in, the, in past years, but this year I'm I'm going to I'm going to stay back and take care of uh, running the site yeah. from from home this this week. But man, I love it down there. That is a great atmosphere. I got a lot of respect for Florida State and that program. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game between two two entertaining teams for sure. Yeah, if it's anything like last year, I'm hoping it'll be a close one at the end. So a uh, primetime matchup, Clemson, FSU. There's there's nothing better usually. We're looking forward no, to you're, it. No, you're right. Yep, yep. You guys enjoy it. Soak it up. Yes. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for coming on, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks, Sounds Brad. Great. Thanks for having me, fellas. I enjoyed it. Absolutely, Brad. Appreciate it. So that was some great insight there from Brad. Uh, phenomenal stuff there. Again, some good insight on what Tabo Sweeney is going to be bringing down here. I know that whole linebacker talk there is going to scare some FSU fans a tad bit. But that's uh, just how Clemson's defense is going to be, be. Definitely bringing in some talent that had been injured and now fully healthy coming in with Xavier Thomas getting some PT last week. And then you, you got Brian coming in and a special athlete there at that slash de linebacker he can play almost anything in that front seven type of guy it's it's not going to be easy for florida state's offense and what mike norrell is going to want to do in that play calling they just have an elite front seven and i mean even behind the starters there's some capable backups that can step in there on the defensive line and at linebacker and i mean look at the stats 63.7 yards on the ground per game that's that's ridiculous and the only team ahead of them this guy this is going to make you guys laugh the only team with a better rushing defense in the country than Clemson is James Madison. Uh, that is, James and Madison. I think I'm pretty sure they're allowing like 40 yards a game. The last time I checked, it, it just it blows my mind. But Clemson, they've been great against the run, and and that's why I really feel like Florida State is going to need to do exceptionally well through the air if they're going to have any chance of winning this one on Saturday. You're going to need another career night out of Jordan Travis, and definitely a better performance from the wide receivers after some drops against North Carolina State. And yeah, I know it, Brad mentioned it was 2.3 yards per carry. Clemson's actually allowed 2.1, which is absurd. And I I think my research is right. No, no rusher has rushed for more than 73 yards against Clemson so far this year. Mm-hmm. And you're without Treshawn Ward this upcoming yeah. weekend. Um, Big task for Florida State. <laughs> Maybe. Potentially. Yeah, I think we can go ahead and axe off Ward of being available this upcoming weekend after we saw the shot of him and the hospital bed, I guess, going through an MRI there, potential other things that could have been on the table but ended up not being true. I don't know. Mike Norvell said no surgery needed for Trayshawn Ward, <clears throat> which is a good thing. you got to hope some optimism to have number eight back, your lead rusher, and the running back room, but – yeah, Florida State's going to have to find something with Toa Philly, Trey Benson, now Ja'Kai Douglas, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And Rodney Hill. Mm-hmm. Who had a really nice week of practice. Yeah. yeah, I would say the last two weeks I thought he's looked smooth, but specifically this week, because he's getting more reps, he's looked nice, and Mike Norvell's been very excited about him, that true freshman running back. Got a lot of praise today. He did, he did. So, And it does sound like we are just – just saying this game is over. There's no reason to even talk about it. Clemson just win it. Why are we even previewing it? I still think there's some chances with Florida State's offense to do some things. Like like Brad said, Florida State is one of the most explosive teams in the country, and Clemson is not so good at guarding that. And you look at that secondary unit, it is suspect at times, a lot of times. And Florida State with Johnny Wilson, 
Malik McLean now adding Ja'Kai Douglas, one of your most explosive players from last season, makes his first return after six games. There, there, there's some potential there, so we'll get into that once we get into our preview here in just a few minutes. As always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, feel free to hit the like button. We would super appreciate it. We'd get some more FSU fans in here. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. Let's jump into some football quick hitters before we jump into the game preview. And then Austin's going to finish us off with some ACC tip-off media day, which he was in attendance for earlier today. Uh, let's jump straight into this. We, we talked about it. Ja'Kai Douglas, you know, we got the news today and throughout the week that he's going to be fully available on Saturday. Mike Norvell, really excited about him. Uh, we, I asked Jordan Travis today, what, what does Ja'Kai Douglas bring to your offense? And he just kept it nice and simple. Speed. And that was last week. Uh, I, I think Ja'Kai Douglas could have could have played a little bit earlier in this season, but now I, I think he's 105, 110%. He's been one of the most smooth and fastest and most explosive players in Florida State's practices this week. And I'm excited for number zero to be out there on that field. He's a fun player to watch, and they're going to really want to utilize him uh, throughout the rest of the season and and maybe this upcoming weekend. There's not a lot of film on him at all, <laughs> at all, that uh, Clemson's going to be able to use coming into Saturday night. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of role that Douglas is able to play in his return because, you know, you look at his stats from a year ago. He only had 14 catches for – 255 yards, but he had two of the most explosive plays for FSU's passing game of the season, a 60-yard catch against Notre Dame, a 59-yard catch against Miami to set up that game-winning drive. This is a guy who legitimately can take the top off a defense, and at the same time, Florida State loves to utilize him in multiple ways. He appears on the depth chart at running back this weekend for the first time all year that he's been on the two deep, and then you get out to practice and he's taking snaps at wide receiver as well. So Florida State will utilize Jakai in multiple ways. Like you said, brings a lot of speed. And when you look at the production from the wide receivers lately, especially last week, only five players caught a pass for Florida State. Three of them wide receivers. Seems like Malik McLean, Deuce Span have had a little bit of struggles of late. I'd be interested to throw Jakai in there, take a couple deep shots his way and, and see what he can do, especially he hasn't played all year. Um, Mike Norvell said it. Jordan Travis said it. He has fresh legs. Right now, let's go give him a couple shots. This team needs a speed. You know, this wide receiver room has been mainly height and using their bodies to their advantage outside of, you know, guys like Micah Pittman and Williamson's got some speed too. But they just haven't had this. With Ja'Kai Douglas being hurt, with Winston Wright being hurt, they need this kind of speed that could just take the top off of defense, use them in those wide receiver screens, let him be shifty. They, they need this kind of player. And you're going to see him used in a lot of ways, like Dustin mentioned, with him being on the running back depth chart. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some running back screens or something out of the backfield just to get some creativeness in there that's not going to be running straight in that clumsy defensive line. Yeah, it changes a whole different kind of aspect of what Mike Novell could do against a defense. And Ja'Kai was extremely fun to watch last year and really saved some games. I mean, you go back to that Miami game, you know, that goes in and you get the win against your rival, Mike Novell's first win against the rival and a lot of that had to do with, with Ja'Kai Douglas and Jordan Travis connecting deep there so we're gonna see what they do with him we'll see how limited he'll be in this game I personally think that he's gonna be a full go uh, from what just I've seen in practice he, he looks really nice right now guys he, he looks good so uh, we'll, we'll see how much Dabo or Dabo yeah Dabo we'll see how much Dabo can prep for him uh, but really Mike Norvell and what they're gonna utilize him with uh, let's go just hint on Trayshawn Ward though real quick because we saw the picture that he posted on 
his Instagram story. And of course that gets shared to Twitter really quickly and everyone starts freaking out. And we talk with Mungerbell on Monday and says, we're going to see how it goes. They're going to evaluate him, all that kind of stuff, examine him, see what the injury is looking like. And then we get into the picture going out and then we listen to Mungerbell again at practice. And he says that optimism there, there was no surgery needed. It's going to be a week to week thing here, but, uh, you know, right now it just doesn't seem like we'll see number eight out on the field on the offense with Ward. Uh, and Clemson, we talked about it. They do a pretty damn good job of stopping the run, and they're pretty successful there. It's a pretty big blow for Florida State's running back room, but there are some guys that have to step up here. Lawrence Toa Philly, who last year had the biggest play on the offensive side last season with some acrobatics with that crazy run dump off from JT. What do you think, guys, this running back room, who, who needs to step up the most here? Because we've seen Trey Benson, and he usually takes a little while to get going, and it's usually third or fourth quarter kind of guy, unless it's against Boston College, of course. Who, who needs to step up here, do you think, in this game the most in that room uh, for David Johnson's running back unit? It's got to be Benson for me, especially when you look at the Clemson defense you're going against and how great they are against the run. Benson's the bigger running back. He's been able to break more tackles this season among the uh, the forced missed tackle leaders on the season, despite the limited amount of carries that he's gotten so far at Florida State with how deep they are at running back. So I, I think you're going to need a really standout game from Trey Benson. But at the same time, you know, losing Treshawn Board is such a big blow. You know, he's a smaller running back, but this guy is a tough runner. He's been able to utilize some ridiculous juke and spin moves to get some nifty first downs. I mean, when you look at him, he's five foot eight, but he's out there running like he's six foot, 220 pounds. It is, it's really inspiring to see the, the former walk on and what he's done for Florida State in the first half of this year. So extremely tough blow to potentially lose him now. But I think it does help, you know, after this week, if he's unable to play, You've got a bye week coming up, so maybe he's able to return for FSU's game against Georgia Tech or Miami. We'll just see how it goes moving forward. But you've got to hope that Toa Philly, um, Trey Benson, Rodney Hill, Ja'Kai Douglas as well can get involved here and handle the load in the meantime. Yeah, I don't even think it's as much the running back room as how much is Jordan Travis going to use his legs in this game. I think that's going to be the biggest factor. You know, if, the Clemson, if you can make the Clemson defense think for a half a second, that's going to matter a ton in this game. And it, it, like I said earlier, if you're just going to run straight into this Clemson defensive line, you're not going to have much success. You got to be creative and get some design things for Travis to get some running room. That'll open things up for the running backs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like what I saw from Lawrence to Philly, specifically in this practice today. Um, and he, he's a guy that is just kind of a gadget one. And I don't know how Minerval really has tried to use him this year. It, it's been kind of a little bit all over the place, but. Lawrence to a Philly. Uh, if Clemson's coming down hard in that inside there, he's a guy that can jump it out and take it to the side pretty quickly. And that's something Trey Benson has done, but he's slower than Lawrence to a Philly and it's caused them. I mean, he can get off tackles. Yes. Trey Benson is good at getting off tackles. We know that, but uh, this is not going to be a smaller team. This is Clemson defense. Uh, they're going to make their tackles. So I'm looking at more of an elusive guy, a guy that can slip through, maybe jump outside faster than Benson. So I'm looking at Lawrence to a Philly specifically in this game. And we'll see too on, reps because if you know trey benson you've got to a philly 
do you see a little bit of Rodney Hill in this game who Minervell talked really highly of Dustin? We heard from Minervell today saying that, you know, such a bright future from this true freshman coming in and a guy that has put on an enormous amount of pounds too, but good weight. Also, you're going through his recruitment for a very long time, D Lou, just to see his progression and what he's been able to do and now get these more opportunities and practices that I think are going to lead into getting some PT this upcoming season now with Treshawn Warden, depending on what's up in the air with that availability. It's not a surprise. Thought he was a little underrated coming out of high school. And when you look at the the guys that Mike Norbell and this coaching staff try to recruit, they're going after these high character individuals who really want to put in the work. And I mean, that's just, that's not just some cliche thing. They've truly flipped that locker room and they've got guys in there who care, who are putting in a hundred percent on and off the field. But so you look at Rodney Hill, he came in instantly attacked the tour of duty. Norvell said today that he was able to put on 20 pounds within a couple months of being at Florida state, had a pretty strong performance during spring practice. And then in the preseason was one of the standouts I thought in the running back room, especially when we were down there in Jacksonville, I thought both of those practices, he was absolutely fantastic. And there, he scored multiple touchdown runs. I remember one, he broke off like 50 yards, got in the end zone, let out a scream. So this isn't a surprise to me. Uh, maybe a little surprise that he's going to be able to get involved this early in his college career. But Rodney's done everything that Florida State has asked of him since he got to Tallahassee, and the work is paying off. Uh, let's jump into some practice observations from this week. Um, you know, there was a lot of, I thought today's practice, a little, a little chippy, a little chippy one. And it kind of felt kind of fall campish to me. Uh, the energy's still there. That's for sure. And you're always going to get it from Mike Norvell. I, I thought Jared verse talked about it really nicely on Tuesday after practice saying it was a foggy morning, a little cold. He also Jared was like, what is this Florida weather? I don't understand this whatsoever. It can be hot, then it can go cold. What is this? Welcome to Tallahassee, Jared Verse. Welcome to this. this you sometimes don't know what in the hell you're going to go outside to in the morning, as it was this morning, humid, hot. And then yeah. the morning before, it was cold and foggy. So right there with you, Jared Verse. But welcome to the A5O, my man. But he said this team came in. They could have been lazy, could have been tired, acting bleh. But they came in, competed, and practiced hard, and the energy was there. Uh, what are your thoughts from practice on Tuesday and Wednesday, D. Lou? And I'll give my thoughts also. I was interested to see how Florida State would respond. You know, entering this week of practice, coming off two straight losses, you're going up against a real, another tough opponent, the top the top opponent in this three game stretch now, in number four Clemson. So Florida State, they could have came out this week, could have felt sorry for themselves, could have been a little sluggish. But I thought they gave the right response, very intense, focused on execution. Yesterday, Mike Norvell, extremely pleased um, with Tuesday's practice. He was happy today as well. But I thought yesterday was an excellent practice on both sides. Um, you know, the offense won some plays. The defense won some plays. Carried over into today. The defense got the best of the offense early on. And the offense was able to respond. And I think that's exactly what you want to see from your football team, especially right now in the middle of the season. And these guys are still going full pads. You know, it's very easy to be like, oh, it's it's week seven. You know, I can check out for an hour or two of, of this practice today and, you know, get back to it tomorrow. But team showed the the right response. And I think that'll be huge for them going to this game against Clemson. It seems like they're they're prepared on the opponent ahead. 
Yeah, Florida State's going to want to rely uh, quite a bit on some of these younger guys, definitely on the defensive side. You look at that defensive line specifically in the interior. We saw Robert Cooper go down uh, at that NC State game. Uh, was told on the ESPN broadcast that he wasn't on the sidelines, but we see him in practice on Tuesday, which was a great sign. seems like he's going to be available. But Florida State's still going to rely on some guys that are younger. You still look at Pat Payne, too. I thought he had a nice week of practice, too. Mm -hmm. He just continues to get better and better. Jared Verse talked about him uh, on Tuesday, just thinks so highly of him and and says that they're going to be beasts next year for some of those guys on the outside, including Byron Turner. gave some praise to him, too. Um, You know, they're going to rely a lot, and also Daniel – Daniel Lyons uh, also in there on the inside. It's just, it just hurts, man, not having Fabian Lovett. And I think that's what's going to hurt a lot in this game and into it. Uh, it. It stinks. It just effing stinks for Florida State. But the next guy's got to step up, and that's kind of been the game plan, and that's been the uh, motto since the spring. No matter what, Florida State has now built some depth there, and if it's your time, it's time to go in. And there shouldn't be much of a shock for them when they jump out on the field on Saturday night. It's just I think experience is going to play a big factor there. But I, I've seen enough from from Pat Payne to say, yeah, a guy's a baller. He's going to play and he'll do his thing. But I've just liked the way some of these younger guys have jumped in there this week. Um, and then Jordan Travis, there was a comment on here uh, about his interview today and Hell yeah, he's pissed off. I don't think he's happy with what happened on Saturday night. I don't think he should be. And whenever you're getting questions from the media, and we also talked to Ryan Fitzgerald too today, uh, two guys that probably want to have a better response from what happened this last weekend. I don't think JT's too happy. Uh, And although in in practice, he, he looks smooth and sharp. It's just... One thing I'm keeping an eye on with him is he's never had this much pressure on him, really. You know, it's always about just allowing him to improve and week to week and see now he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And can he take that as being the leader of this team? That's a big question, Mark. And we'll we'll see if he can bring that to the table on Saturday night. But, yeah, I, I do think he's pissed off and he should be. There was a couple body language things that I didn't like from Jordan Travis Last week, and like you said, there's a ton of pressure on his shoulders right now. I think he just needs to get back to having fun, playing carefree football, and, and just getting after it. Because when this team was just in a rhythm those first four games, they weren't really thinking about offense. They weren't struggling that much. Look at the plays. There were smiles. Jordan, there were yeah, smiles but, from Jordan Travis. But look at the plays that Jordan was making. I mean, it, it was similar situations, but he was – making the play on third down. He was getting outside of the pocket and creating creating the throw, hitting the receiver. And, I mean, the receivers were catching the ball as well. That didn't help against North Carolina State. But it just felt like over the last two weeks, they haven't been able to get into a rhythm for whatever reason. Um, and it was the first half against Wake Forest. It was the second half against North Carolina State. They're going to have to put together a full four quarters against Clemson to have a shot in this game because this defense is excellent. And if you have one drive that's off – off schedule. I mean, they can take advantage of it. And Clemson, to their credit, 12 turnovers, uh, 12 turnovers forced on the season, which is tops in the conference. They're going to be ready if Florida State slips up at any point of this game. So Jordan Travis needs to be on point. Anything else really from practice that stood out to you? I would just say credit to Ryan Fitzgerald for 
coming over the over there today, speaking to the media. Obviously, he's had some struggles, and, and we've talked about him on the show throughout the season. He's got a lot of criticism from the fan base, and he said today that he's read he's read the criticism and he's doing his best to use it as fuel to the fire to respond from it. Um, one thing that really interested me is he mentioned that over the offseason, he'd been working on a new three-step kicking technique for about nine months that he was trying to utilize this year. And, you know, that didn't work out early in the season. So now he's switched back to the two-step technique that he used in 2021 whenever he went um, 10 of 13 from field, from field goal. And, you know, last week was able to connect on his lone attempt from 47 yards against North Carolina State. Hopefully Fitzgerald now will be able to bounce back over the second half of the season, back doing something he's a little bit more comfortable doing. And I thought it was funny when the press conference wrapped up today and, and Ryan was walking off the, the practice field, Coach JP was standing right there with a smile on his face and said, he's back and slapped Ryan on the back. So, you know, I think for say they're feeling comfortable with, with where Fitzgerald is moving into the final six games of the regular season. And I mean, for the kids sake, I hope he's able to have some success. I just want to note on here that I was a fan of Ryan Fitzgerald kicking the game winner up there in Raleigh. I'm the only one, but I saw the confidence in his eyes on the TV broadcast. I saw the confidence. That's all I needed. But yeah, the, some good practices from Ryan Fitzgerald. Also, shout out to Cheyenne Brown. Had a block today in the two-minute uh, team drill to start off practice. Cheyenne Brown once again. Um, they've also got some 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 certain ideas, too, for some blocks that we'll see if uh, they utilize that on Saturday night. But Cheyenne Brown, once again, off the edge, it's just. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Norvell said he was about an inch away from blocking two kicks against North Carolina State. <laughs> God dang, man. Cheyenne Brown's special. I'm excited for the future of him. Young stud, young stud. But specifically, if you're one to have a good field goal unit, you're going to have to be prepared for uh, number 38 with Cheyenne Brown out on the field. He. He's a pivotal factor there. Uh, let's jump into a few quick things here. Dalvin Cook, starting off FSU Twitter a little bit here. Out of nowhere, what is up with this, Dalvin? Man, oh, man. Dalvin it's Wednesday, Cook. man. It's Clemson just, week. Hey, I'm here for it. It's content. We get to talk about it. But, yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook throwing some uh, – not really shots or anything, but just saying, you know what, I want that number four retired. This is your guy, VZ, up there in Minnesota with the Vikings. He just had two – touchdowns this past weekend nice day for him but he still wants that number four or he wants that number four retired here in Tallahassee I don't know if you guys saw the tweets I'll bring him up here in a second but and then also he said you know he's down to come to any FSU sporting event just if all you got to do all you got to do is just send him a private jet send him the PJ and he'll be here all he'll you got to do is give him a, a free private jet ride <laughs> yeah. what was the signing bonus again VZ? 15.5 milli. I think Woo. he can buy a ticket. <laughs> can you? Can, like I can't. Some of those celebrities just like go on an app and they can order one. It's probably like 10K or something, but they have timeshare private jets. So, I mean, now's the perfect time to invest. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I'll bring up the tweets here. But Dalvo wants that number four retired. What do y'all think? It's one of those does he deserve it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, people can argue whether it's him or work done as the best running back in FSU history. He's the best. I, that to me, it's not It's kind of close, but it's Dalvin. But you got to give it some time. I mean, you've been out of FSU five, six years. You got to give it a little bit of time. You know, Jameis is going to get up there eventually. Dalvin's going to get up there eventually. Just give it some time. I've got, I've got no thoughts on the subject. I, yeah, he deserves to have it retired, but 
most people aren't getting their jerseys retired after five or six years. And especially when you think about all the turmoil that Florida State has gone through during that time since Dalvin Cook left Florida State, they've had some other things to deal with in the meantime, but I promise they're going to get to retiring that jersey you know, within the next decade, I would imagine, before 2030. He is the king, the slayer against Miami and Florida, though. That is for damn sure. He, he ain't lying about that. Because it, this all started because he was asking for his stats from his college days against Florida teams, specifically, obviously, Florida and Miami. So the three most recent players that had their numbers retired are Terrell Buckley, Marvin Jones, and Peter Work, who were all who all played in the 90s. Yeah, and they all got their numbers retired in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, it, it, he's going to get up there just – Give us some time. <laughs> yeah, might take a couple years. Yeah, it might might take another fifteen, but we'll get there. What that Peter Work one was twenty uh, twenty eighteen and the Virginia Tech game, the home game. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Has yeah. Dalvin has Dalvin been back since he graduated? Do you guys know? Um, he was back. He was back with Gronk for that basketball game. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't I th- remember when it was, but yeah. It was two years ago, I think. And then I, th- I feel like he was down for a spring game, but I could be wrong. Just send the man the jet, man. I don't I don't know what Alfred has. You know, he's got the connects, but, you know, if you want Dalvin and Doak, I guess you got to send the PJ. Damn. And he knows because if you scroll through those comments, like 50 people added Alfred in the tweets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's in there thinking like, man, I got to send a jet on this short of notice. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he's got 80,000. I mean, it's not going to be this week. It's not going to be this no. week anyways. Like he's got a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got negotiations with the goddamn Big Ten and the SEC, and now I got to send a goddamn private jet to Dalvin Cook. God dang. Jesus Christ. Alfred's got a lot of things to do. At least we got that turf fix for Dick Hauser. For that baseball stadium, we're heading in the right direction. No, uh, no looks cool. Good to see, got to see it at practice. Although we don't do much of baseball coverage here, but I don't know what the turf does on that side of the diamond. Maybe you can get. Some I don't have a damn clue. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know either. If anybody's wondering, we don't. We have, we have zero clue what that turf does. Uh, but Alfred's getting taken care of. It. We'll see if he can get that PJ over for Dalvin. Just doesn't get ripped up like grass. I guess not. I don't know. I feel like I'd slip right there because you're heading to home base. I don't know. My analysis. Well, we're not the guys to talk about. (laughs) You know, when you're swinging around that third base there, you hit that turf. Like, could you slip there? That's something I'm going to keep an eye on here for this opening weekend of baseball. Uh, Let's jump real quick. Jared Verse, you know, no shocker here, but finally happened. Jared Verse added to the Benaric Award midseason watch list. Uh, he joins Jamie Robinson here, Florida State safety. This award is given to the most, most outstanding defensive college football player, but Jared Verse now added into there. He's getting a lot of national attention, guys, a lot of national attention. I see FSU Twitter worried that this might be the last time, the last couple of games you'll have him in Garnet and Gold before he's gone. Just another Jermaine Johnson, man. I told y'all. Oh, no. Sc- Scouts are loving him. Every athletic – you know, draft prep article I read is like, keep it on Jared Verse. He's climbing up boards. I'm like, can y'all just, just keep it down a little bit? <laughs> and I I think he's just raw still, man. Hey, it's yeah. so raw. And, you know, I think some of these defensive end coaches are just salivating at what they can probably do with Jared Verse. You know, Jermaine Johnson, that was a true senior guy. And you had him for one season. He was you know, a guy that you can jump in right away. Jared Verse, 
could have that impact, but still raw. But I think there's a higher ceiling there. And just his attitude, he's just some a player that you want to have on your team. And he's an alpha guy, and he brings energy to the practice. You go back to the spring, man, and we posted videos of it. He brings a different element, not only on the field, but heading into the field, chirping with some of the offensive players, talking trash with Treshawn Ward. It just adds extra competition that I feel like this team has needed for a while. But, uh, you know, national attention now is all over Jared Burse. And, you know, he kind of already said it, you know, in the interview. I thought he gave us kind of a little hint there. And no decision has been made whatsoever. But he said, yeah, the, the future is going to be bright there next year with Pat Payne and Byron Turner on the end. So, uh I don't know, but yeah, Jared Burr, special player. He's got a big game ahead of him on Saturday night, which we're about to jump into. Florida State is going to be facing Dabo Sweeney. Primetime matchup. We got Herbie on the call. Fowler should be should be a fun one. Uh, what are y'all's first thoughts going into this game, guys? Because the last couple of years, we haven't really given Florida State a chance. They almost went away with a win there. Jermaine Johnson with the hit. On DJ, the ball fumbles, takes it to the crib, and then Florida State's defense can hold. Then they have well, penalties. Yeah, I was about to say, come on. There was some bad penalties on that drive. There was some, there not... was some bad penalty. A late hit. Late. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to let Lundy. We're going to give Lundy a little. We'll give Lundy a, a pass with that one there, that late hit. There was a pass yeah. interference call that was trash. There, there was two bad flags on that last drive for Clemson. And, and I won't say we didn't give him a chance the last few years. I broke a damn ukulele on this show saying we'd win. Um, what do you got uh, this year? Yeah, yeah, what do you have yeah, this year? I'm, I'm out of ideas right now. <laughs> You're out of your um, ideas. But, but yeah, BZ, what are your thoughts they, on this game they, going into it? They showed great progress in that game last year. And, you know, on paper, if you look at it, you go, well, you get the game at home. You know, Florida State's a much better team this year than they were last year. But it's one of those that Florida State is so banged up going into this game. And as Brad mentioned earlier, Clemson's finally getting healthy at the right time for Clemson at the wrong time for Florida State. You know, how does Florida State's offensive line do against Clemson's defensive line, not just in pass protection, but in run blocking as well? It's one thing Florida State's been really good at is run blocking and creating those gaps. We saw it on Philly's touchdown run last week, you know, how they're just able to open those gaps and find those running lanes. I don't know if they'll be able to do that against Clemson. It's going to be a really tough test. That's where my eyes are going to be for most of this game is Florida State's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line. I don't disagree. I think Florida State's offensive line, they've, they've got to play their best game of the season, their best game probably since since the LSU game because this is a really good defensive line in front seven that they're going up against in Clemson. And, and on the other side of the ball, I think FSU's front seven, they've got to shut down the rushing attack and force DJ to beat them through the air. And that includes not only shutting down Will Shipley, I mean, if you can shut him down, limiting <laughs> Will Shipley, and then also not letting DJ get out of there and do some stupid stuff on the ground because we've seen a couple quarterbacks, um, Jaden Daniels, Malik Cunningham, get outside the pocket and gash Florida State for a couple big plays. They can't afford to let that happen against Clemson. And the under the underrated part about Clemson's offense that I don't think I don't think Brad mentioned it. You know, he said Clemson's offensive line hasn't played exceptional through six games. But if you look at them. All five guys have started all six games, and they've all started at the same position. They've got some cohesiveness there up front, and it's allowed them to produce, I believe, over 170 yards on the ground per game, passing for about 240. So it's a balanced offensive attack for Clemson, but it starts with Will Shipley. And if you can limit him and make those receivers and, like you said, the tight ends have to make some plays, I think it gives FSU a better chance to win. It's going to be a big test for the linebackers. 
you know, Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach, they're going to have to really step up in this game to, to limit Will Shipley. Shipley broke a ton of arm tackles last year, and, and the linebackers are going to have to be – Yeah, the linebackers have to be really solid tackling in this game, get them to the ground quick. And, and like Dustin said, make DJ beat you. You know, as solid as he's been this year, Brad mentioned, he's gotten off to some slow starts. And if he gets off to another slow start in this game, then the defense can get some confidence and try and get his head a little bit. I think Brendan Gant's going to be utilizing this game quite a bit. We saw him in, in practice, and he was in a lot of packages. I think Brendan Gant, number 28 for Florida State, has been great this year on special teams, has been in the mix in that linebacker room. I think he fits in this scheme against Clemson very well, guys. I don't know. You know, D'Lo, I know you're high on Brendan Gant. And he had a nice practice, too. He was you know, one of the highlights of the Tuesday practice report. Brendan Gant is a guy that is a good tackler. He's physical, and he wraps up well. And Florida State last year, like Austin just said, could not find a way to stop Will Shipley. We were like, where in the hell is this kid coming from? And then he's still so young, but he's such a – crazy it was so good last year it was unreal yeah like i said nightmares like i still have nightmares i'll, I'll never forget will shipley in my brain ever again just of how elusive he was just getting off those tackles and florida state did a terrible job uh, and and being able to bring him down you got to hope now going back looking at film last year you watch this year's and you see the improvement there in that linebacker room which randy shannon has been able to do there's a big game ahead for that linebacker room but i'm looking at brendan gant uh, maybe jumping in and, and playing quite a few more snaps than he has to start this season in the first six games. We know who the top three are in that linebacker rotation with Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach, and DJ Lundy. FSU did get Amari Gaynor back last week. He was dressed out, but once again, didn't end up playing a snap on defense for the Seminoles. So I think it really comes down to either Gaynor or Brendan Gant, whoever FSU is feeling more comfortable with to take that fourth linebacker spot going up against Clemson. Both of them can kind of play in space. You know, Gant converted safety, now down now down to linebacker. He's a guy who can get in there on the, the diamond nickel packages and passing downs to really contribute on defense, a little bit more fluid than some of the other linebackers. And I mean he's a little bit a little bit smaller as well, but this is a guy who can deliver a hit, um, able to break up back to back passes today actually in practice while on coverage uh on Marquiston Douglas. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think Gant or Gaynor definitely should get involved on Saturday night. I like to see Gant spy DJ a little bit because as Brad mentioned, DJ's really good in the red zone. You know, his threat of his legs. I like to see Gant using those situations, trying to limit DJ's running ability just a little bit. Him and Deloach probably will be yeah. tasked with that. Mm hmm. Yeah, we, we've seen Deloach be able to do that a few times and gotten close to some tackles, shoestring, but couldn't come away. Deloach has been a nice uh, nice player this season for Florida State in that defense. Flipping on the other side on the offense, Brad gave us a great rundown here, and we've talked about it, and we've known about this for a while, just watching Clemson this year. That secondary is suspect, and it fits perfectly for what Minervell likes to do. He likes those explosive plays. They've been one of the most successful teams in the country at doing so. And a big part of that comes with Johnny Wilson and, you know, Florida state really hurt themselves last week. They've got this room has to respond after what they did. And Jordan Travis, man, putting some balls on the damn money uh, last, last week and guys just simply dropping them. Malik McLean, man, you know, usually he comes down with those, Drops right there on the side of the end zone. You know, you had a Johnny Wilson drop too. Those things you can't have happen on, on Saturday night. There's got to be a big response from Ron Dugan's room going on to this weekend. 
No question. Um, it was a pretty poor, pretty poor performance. You know, we saw some drops from Florida State early in the season against Duquesne, and there were a couple against LSU as well. And then from there, the receivers really hit a stride. And we saw the career game from Johnny Wilson. We saw Micah Pittman break out. We saw Poitier have a good game. Darian Williamson had a really good game against Boston College. You know, they started to spread out the attack. And then last week, you know, back on the road for the first time in a couple games, they simply couldn't get it done. There were some really bad drops in that game, one by Malik McLean that prevented a touchdown for Florida State. So, you know, hopefully they can bounce back this weekend. Pretty strong week of practice, I would say, overall from the receivers. I don't remember seeing many balls hit the ground. I think I could count it on hand, the number I saw from yesterday to today. So, like I said earlier, strong response from the team and practice this week. I think the receivers, they're primed to have a much better performance on Saturday night. And like we said, Clemson has struggled in the secondary. They gave up 45 points to Wake Forest. Sam Hartman, I know it's Sam Hartman. He's able to throw for over 330 yards against Clemson. Remember, six touchdowns and I think five. You guys against were – Yeah, five came against the Blitz. I know you guys were gushing about it a couple weeks ago. So Jordan Travis is going to have to do the same thing. Clemson's going to bring some pressure and he's going to have to make some plays to those receivers and we'll see if they bounce back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson really tries to test those receivers, but a lot of one-on-one matchups. And so it's, it's going to be up to those receivers to come down with those, you know, one-on-one balls, whether it's Johnny Wilson, whether it's Pokey Wilson, who dropped a pass against SEC as well, coming across the middle that could have gotten them in field goal range. You know, these receivers are going to have to make plays in this game. If Clemson's game plan is anything like it was against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pokey also having that drop. Micah Pittman, man, uh, shout out to him. The last two weeks has been a playmaker for Florida State on offense and going back to that one-handed catch there in the end zone. You know, Micah Pittman's been in a groove right now, and I think that was kind of expected from Mike Norvell. It was a slower start in spring, slower start in fall camp, slower start to the season. But when he hits that groove, man, he's really impactful, both wherever on the field, honestly, but now in that red zone, man, you know, minor bell has given him a lot of chances because they trust him and, you know, look, look for Micah in this game too. I know we always talk about Johnny Wilson and I think, yeah, definitely want to take advantage of that, that Clemson secondary, but you know, whenever you're starting off drives, give, give Micah Pittman a chance. Definitely. If you're trying to get that ball out quickly, that's a guy that has the navigational skills and the eyes to run like a running back and he's physical and he'll fight for that first down. But I've been really pleased with Micah Port. Micah Pittman's performance the last couple of weeks. He's in a groove, you know, three touchdowns over the last two games. And this is from Florida State's game notes. You know, Pittman, three touchdowns in the last two games. He only had two total touchdowns over his first 25 collegiate appearances um, at Oregon and, and the first couple of games at Florida State. So he's really starting to find that stride as of late. Um, it's been really encouraging to see the production that him and Johnny Wilson have been able to bring to the wide receiving core alongside with Ontario Wilson getting in there and making some splash plays as well. And you're starting to see the consistency. And, and we talked about it earlier in the season. I actually, what was the, I think it was Louisville where I said, you know, I think Mike is going to have a good game and probably get six or more catches in the game. And I think he got like one, but I've, I've been seeing it for a while. This Ascension um, JT and Micah, they've got really good chemistry with one another. It's just been steadily um, increasing ever since the spring and it, it's continued to grow this fall and over the back half, these last six games, I think Johnny Wilson and Mike are just going to continue to get more and more involved in this offense and more confident. I wonder if 
I'm just coming up with stuff here. I wonder if Jordan Travis was kind of ticked too with all those drops, man. I mean, I was, he was throwing some really pretty balls on Saturday night. I mean, I think he kind of got pretty pissed off. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think going into this game, I'd like to see Jordan Travis go back to earlier in the season, man. And I, you know, he had over a hundred yards rushing and I think he needed to do that. We'll see how much FSU is going to want to utilize him on that with his legs against Clemson's defense, but Mm -hmm. you keep him safe as much as you can at this point though, in the season, you don't want to go on an Owen three stretch here. You're going to want to see how much Jordan Travis can go for. I want to just see him go back to, to enjoying it, man. And, and he does good in, in these primetime games. You go back to the LSU game. It just felt smooth for him, just relaxed a bit. It's not going to be so much relaxing to do with Clemson's front seven, but just just let you know these drives that Florida State's been able to do with the, the start off games have been nice and, and smooth. But after that, things have slowed down a tad. And Mike Norvell goes over to Mike Norvell, too put these games away man and i don't think it's going to be the case this weekend but if you have a chance put the damn game game away you know don't don't let off the gas put it down and that's something florida state is still learning to do they, they cannot put games away and it's not gonna i don't think it's gonna be the case this weekend but if you have a chance definitely if you're building a lead in that first half keep going do not feel relaxed because good coaches like Dabo sweeney they're gonna make a. They're gonna make changes in the in halftime, and they're gonna prepare for you, and they're gonna come out better than the, how they were in the first half. That's just how Dabo Swinney is as a coach. He's one of the smartest in college football at doing so. If you have any kind of lead, don't let up. Don't let up the energy. And the Florida State's fan base inside Doe Campbell Stadium is gonna bring the noise, and they'll see if the team wants to continue to keep going at it if they're trying to build a lead. It's been a problem. There have definitely been some games, and even dating back to to last season, you know, Florida State was up twenty six to three on Boston College, and that game ended up being twenty six to twenty three. I think they they were up what twenty one to seven, maybe on Miami, and then Miami came back and took the lead, and Florida State had to win it. Go into this season, you dominate LSU for a half. They come back, goes down to the final play, um, and then last week was kind of the culmination with NC State making that ridiculous comeback and just shutting Florida State down in that second half. So this team has had trouble playing a full game, but I don't think it's necessarily as cut and dry as that because when you look at some of these teams that they're going up against established teams, you know, Boston College last year was a pretty good ball club. So was Miami at the time. And they had had coaches that had been there for a while, built up the roster depth. So Florida State, when you look at their two deep, they're finally back to – a decent starting lineup, but I don't think they have all of the depth there yet. And when other teams who have capable starters as well as guys that can come in and produce as backups over a long 60 minute game, that can kind of add up and not to mention turnover luck has helped Florida state out and to jump out to some of these big leads as well. And, you know, it just kind of flip flops back and forth. And plus it's college football. Anything can happen in this game. I mean, we've seen it, this year especially, 2022 has already been absolutely insane, not just for Florida State, for teams across the country. It's just the way this sport is, a lot of um, variety. And it's a lot of youth and inexperience as well that's just yeah. not used to winning football games. You know, they have to get in that mindset. They have to get used to it. It's not something that comes naturally, you know. It's something that they got to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we talked about it when they went 4-0 there to start off the season. It's like, what is this team, how are they going to react? What is their 
energy going to be? How do they continue doing that? And it showed they are still trying to figure out how to finish games and they, they failed at it in the last few weeks. Uh, Tom's asking here, uh, what do you think about playing Gibbons at center? Washington at guard, put some beef up front. My first like reaction there is that they won't make any changes going into Clemson week. Uh, they're just lucky enough to be fully healthy where they can bring, bring out and, and trot out the same group. Um, I've not been so pleased with Washington this year. I'll be honest with you guys. Not, not been pleased. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. Sorry. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like the play. I also don't know if he's fully healthy. I, I don't really know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on there. I don't really want to move Gibbons anywhere. He, he's been the most successful at his position group, but no reason to change that. And Marie Smith, I understand undersize. It's been that way since being here at Florida state, but you, you don't switch up things there. If you have any bit of chemistry and I thought, Things were a little off to start off in that first half, but things got smoother going into the second half, I thought, for FSU on that offensive line. Um, you know, there's just still some troubles there with Jaston. And um, just I, I'm not switching up anything, though, before you go into Clemson. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not, it's not the center of the line as much as it is right tackle at turn time. He's been pretty subpar the last couple of weeks. And if they if they're to do anything to be at right tackle, but like Logan said, it's not going to happen this week. Yeah, Turnatine has struggled. Dimitri Emanuel has had his struggles. Um, when Darius Washington was in there at left tackle for Robert Scott, he really struggled. You know, the injuries have killed Florida State up front. Uh, we have to remember how good Bless Harris was for this team in the preseason. And to lose him in the first half against FCS Duquesne to start the year, I mean, man, that's just kind of a gut punch for Florida State right there. And you don't have Caden Lyles, who you're – probably your backup center and maybe a guy who could have contributed at guard as well. Robert Scott, definitely not a hundred percent right now. I don't know that Jaston is a hundred percent either. And you look at Darius, he, he missed the beginning of the preseason. Uh, he went out last week actually during the game and was replaced by Demetri Emanuel. They kind of flip flopped there and snap count uh, per PFF. But at one point Darius went out with an injury and had to be replaced by Dimitri to end the game, I believe. So there's just been so much flip-flopping and, once again, injuries decimating Florida State. And, and we thought 19 scholarship offensive linemen coming into the season, you know, they're finally prepared to take these blows. But, man, they've come at a bigger pace and earlier than even we could have expected. Julian Armella had a really nice practice today. There's a question on here from Thomas Armella at Rad Tackle. We've kind of already answered that. But Armella is going to play this season. Uh, it just depends when, but he's getting better and better. Coach Atkins is coaching him very hard. And it's kind of, I go back to how Odell Hagens was with Joshua Farmer last year. You kind of get signs there. Coach, it's really hard on you in your face a little bit, hands on more than some other guys. That means that you're probably going to get some playing time pretty soon. And that's been the way for Coach Atkins and Armella today. He had a really nice rep. Two two back to back really good reps. The first one being against Jared Verse, absolutely tossing Jared Verse to the ground. Jared Verse was on his back looking up at Julian Armella. Julian wanted to help him get up, but Jared Verse, as being the alpha, was saying, "No, I mean, you're not going to help me get up, freshman." Uh, but that's just kind of the relationship there. But both have a lot of respect for one another. But Julian Armella continues to get better and better. Still learning. There's a talent there, and but you don't throw him out uh, against Clemson, but. I think you're going to see Armella at some point this upcoming season, and you're going to see him a lot next year. This upcoming uh, like season, we're in the season. We're halfway done. This next, this this next upcoming season. 
this upcoming season. We're we're already like in the off season. I'm already planning for 2023. Jesus, don't call me that. People are starting to believe it. But yeah, I like Julian Armelli a lot. Been high on him. Been high on Jared Verse. I need to. You know what? I might some of those NFL scouts might need to hit me up. You know what I'm saying? No, you don't know. don't do that. You know who else? Who else out there? Trishon Ward. I'm saying. Uh, yeah, someone's saying Delu at right tackle. Uh, Dustin, you want to give it a shot out there after seeing these practices? I think Turnitin's got me beat. So <laughs> bring, b- bring back your 2011 form. Mm-hmm. 2011. I was like 2009. <laughs> it's been. I, I was going to say I was going to say 2007, but I felt like I was being disrespectful. I don't have mm-hmm. the bend anymore. Knees are shot. I'm only right. 28. Need a knee replacement. Oh my god, she was dramatic. I thought you needed like a back surgery and I need a lot of I need a lot of improvements to my life. <laughs> that is true. That Tough is very times. True. That is very true. Uh we'll give our monthly update here on Winston Wright. No changes. Catching passes. And individuals. Yeah, he's catching passes and he'll still do kick returns. We can always post some social media about that. But uh uh, you know, minor Val just still pleased with the recovery that he's doing there and the rehab and, and trying to get back fully healthy so he can be a factor of Florida State. Man, could you imagine that wide receiver unit though with Addie Winston right now with Ja'Kai Douglas being back? I know yeah. that's specifically a running back for Ja'Kai, but he's a mix before anything else. But that those are two explosive players. Definitely with Winston Wright, what he was able to do at West Virginia was really special. So... We'll see. We'll see if we'll see someone's in right this season. It Let's sucks. Oh. Yeah. I, was just, I was just saying it, it sucks. Suck. You know, there was some hope that he would be available in the first half of the year, but I think there's no way that you can put him on the football field until he's 120% and you're completely sure that the leg and the bone density is completely healed. You know, he's got to be fully 100% because this is a guy who suffered a – we don't know the exact – part of the leg but based on the sleeve on his on his leg it seems to be maybe around the knee or the middle of his leg he suffered a fracture somewhere and I mean clearly quite serious to keep him out for this long so I don't think there's any way that you're rushing him back especially with how the receivers have performed you're not and you don't have to rush him back so if he needs the whole year let him sit the whole year and hopefully you're able to get him back in 2023 as a contributor Thomas is asking here about the tight end unit. Should we expect more chipping and help from tight ends this week to help against edge pressures? I think so. Yeah, you should see Cam McDonald. Marquiston. Yeah, definitely Marquiston wide rector, but definitely Marquiston jumping in there to help out against that edge and helping protect Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at the snap count over the last couple of weeks, um, I'm not sure about the BC game, but at least Wake Forest and NC State, Marquiston Douglas actually – outsnapped Cam McDonald, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does it again against Clemson with how much they're going to need him, not only to help and, and run support, but also on passing downs as well. I think you're going to leave someone in there to help against the defensive end or a blitzing linebacker, whether it's Mark Easton or a running back. I'm assuming it's going to be Trey Benson since he's a big dude coming up there to help with pass blocking. You're going to need some extra blockers throughout the night to limit this Clemson defense as best as you can because they're going to get theirs. Let's jump into some score predictions, guys. Let's jump into them. For that, do we want to talk visitors? Because yeah, pretty pretty big visitor list this weekend. Yeah, give us some give us some visitor list for, for some a recruits. lot of talent 
coming to uh, Tallahassee. I dropped a visitor list in our Discord earlier today, but just a couple guys. Five-star wide receiver Hakeem Williams will be in Tallahassee for the first time since his commitment to Florida State. And outside of that, FSU is expecting linebacker commit Blake Nicholson to make the trek over from California to Tallahassee. Roderick Kearney, this is a big one because there were some rumors he would be in Gainesville this weekend. Roderick is expected to be in Tallahassee for this game against Clemson. Um, Four-star defensive lineman Ruben Bain, another guy in that 2023 class. Four-star defensive back Damari Brown, official visit actually to FSU this weekend for the Clemson game. And then four-star offensive lineman DJ Chester, who was already here a couple weeks ago for the game against Boston College. He is back once again for another unofficial visit and will take an official visit later this season. Keldrick Falk coming to Tallahassee instead of visiting Tennessee, where he was originally scheduled to go this weekend. FSU was able to get in there and, and flip that visit. And then over to the 2024 class, you've got five-star Charles Lester. you got a really talented defensive end and Camarion Franklin. Cam Davis is going to be back. Luke Cromenhoke, um, Keyshawn Mashburn, a couple commits there. Uh, by my count, over 24 four- and five-star prospects combined in the 2023 and 2024 classes are going to be at Florida State this weekend. So a huge opportunity for the Seminoles, not only on the football field, but also on the recruiting trail because you don't have to win this game, but if you're able to remain competitive and continue to show the progress that the program is making under Mike Norvell, that you're continuing to make the positive strides forward, um, that's going to just continue to help these recruits. And We'll see what happens on Saturday night, but there's going to be some talent there to witness it. Some rich talent, some rich talent. It's good to have these current commits coming in too. And definitely with Eric, with Eric Kearney, I'm, I'm, I'm high on him still. I know there's some things going on the season and such with him, but I, I think there's some talent there that Coach Atkins can work with. And obviously, Hikey Williams, Blake Nicholson, it's going to be nice to have him. Definitely, Hikey Williams is going to get a lot of love from the FSU fan base once he arrives here in Tallahassee. But it's a big-time talent. And, if, you know, Florida State stays in this game. And definitely if you squeak out a win like that on primetime television, whew, goodness gracious. Oh, you, know, you got a lot of momentum on your side. Heading into that bye week, too. Whew. And also, <laughs> sorry, Austin, but You're good. one more guy to mention, four-star running back Michael Mitchell, who – has been at multiple Florida State home games this season, a four-star running back committed to Utah. But you know, he, he's been pretty straight up in the past. If FSU offers him, he's probably going to flip and become a member of this Tribe 23 class. An FSU fan growing up, they've been monitoring some some off, off-field stuff, some academic stuff, and it seems like everything is progressing the right way. So far, but Florida State has yet to go all in. If they do, that's one I'd watch out for. And, you know, I can't really give out a name yet, but there's a, a major top 50 visitor from the from the 23 class that is expected to be at Florida State this weekend. Whoa. We'll see if it transpires. Whoa, you're going to do it to us like that, huh? That's all I can do. And, and another name on the list, if you scroll down, is one of Antonio Camardi's 18 kids. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Damn. Hey, Cromartie, like, gets it done. Antonio Cromartie Jr., 2025 prospect. Antonio Cromartie Jr., 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 Jr. Let's get it, baby. Uh, but, yeah, big weekend ahead, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on some of those guys on the sidelines uh, this upcoming weekend. Let's jump into some score predictions, guys, so we can end off this. But 
before we end off everything, we got to go into some ACC tip off with VZ. I think I went first last week. It's me this week. I think it's up to now. It's up to VZ and his non ukulele. Yeah, no, no ukuleles this year. Uh, Damn, it was a big, inve- was a big investment last year. Uh, Seven dollars was it? It was ten. All right. You know, big okay. investment. Okay, God, he really said ten. He really had to do that. Ten. Oh my uh, God, big investment. Also, I was feeling good last year. I don't know why. I just felt good going into that game last year. Isn't it crazy um, that you were feeling good about that then, and then you see this team now? Is it because it, of Clemson being? I, I think Florida it's just, State's it's facing just a, a better Clemson just, team than they did yeah. last year. Yeah, Clemson's much better this year, especially on that defensive front. They're just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's Florida State's done a really good job running the ball this year. And, and without tra- with we're expecting Trayshawn Moore not to play. I don't know how much we'll see out of, out of that running unit. And if they can't get that going, how much can Florida State really attack deep down the field? They should against this Clemson secondary, but I don't know how much we'll see it. As I mentioned earlier, Clemson's getting healthy at the right time. Florida State just keeps getting more and more banged up as the weeks go by. I think Florida State will keep it competitive just because the energy in Doak Campbell Stadium is going to be electric. I wish I was down there for this game. Um, but I, Clemson's going to end up winning. I've got it 23-17 for the Tigers. That's a close game. Yeah. It's a close one there. I like it. I, I like that pick. I wish you could come down here with us, VZ. It'd be fun. Do you need a PJ in your private jet? It would be nice, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, Alfred, Give that man a, a Delta. Alfred, I need a PJ for VZ. I don't know if you know. Listen, who he I don't is, give a damn about Dalvin Cook. Give me a private jet. We'll, we'll give you a Spirit Airlines. Love you, Dalvin. I'm kidding. Domestic ticket. Yeah, Spirit Airlines. Uh, I'm on yeah, hold. I, if, it, not... if, it's, if it's Spirit, that seat's going empty. Plane has half a wing. <laughs> oh damn, VZ's high class over here. I, I, I gotta be American, you know. Damn. Gotta be, gotta be American. Can't Airlines. be a European. Can't no, just give, give me American Airlines. That's we'll be good. That's up, American wow. Airlines on the aisle. That's that's my seat. You like a good aisle? Yeah, I do like having my leg out there on the yeah, aisle. Yeah, stretch, especially when you, you know, when you had two oh. surgeries, you kind of have to like stretch out a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say because me specifically, I'm really tall. So, okay. Um, all right. You would I have been to put my leg out there seat. and left. You know, you want me in the middle? You're, you're short and skinny. You'd fit in there perfect. Where's Dustin sitting at? Because that's really – he's got to keep an eye out. No, he's, he's got the exit row aisle, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm I'm saying. I'll pay the extra fee. I need the leg room. Damn. Yeah, no, I don't know. But, yeah, I guess we got to get VZ the PJ. Uh, someone at Alfred, please. Get, get Alfred on that ASAP. Uh, yeah, make sure you all drop in your score predictions in here too. Make sure you drop your score predictions. D'Lo, what do you got for this weekend? So he told me during practice. He told me during practice. I'm going to see if it stays the I same did? now. Yep. Oh, yeah. You said – I won't say it because it will give it He'll away. Say it I got, he said after the first practice, he's like, oh, I got blank, blank, blank. Hmm. Well, Obizzi went 23-17, to 17 and, you know, coming into this game, kind of feels like Florida State and Clemson, they're on different trajectories. Clemson 6-0. and Offense has been finding life. Defense has been ridiculous. Then Florida State has really struggled to – put together a complete performance over these last two weeks and not to mention the injuries are just piling up on both sides of the ball. It's getting just, it's ridiculous at this point. I mean, what, what can you even do? I've, I know Carter, Carter from the Tallahassee Democrat put out a tweet the other day and it, over 12 starters have missed time this season for FSU, which is just a ridiculous stat because they played six games, but so Clemson, 
the defense, especially running uh, the rushing defense against Florida State's running attack, I'm kind of concerned with Florida State's offensive line there. Clemson has a lot of talent, not only on the defensive line that we've talked about, but also linebackers. Um, we're going to have to see how it goes. I think you're going to need a really big game from Jordan Travis here. Maybe one benefit of potentially not having Treshawn Ward in this game, who's your starting running back, who has had the most carries on the entire roster out of any running back is that it forces Florida State to throw the ball early and put it in the air more often than they would have done if Treshawn Ward was mm -hmm. or is healthy and available to play. We'll see what happens at kickoff, but I personally don't think he's going to be able to suit up on Saturday. If that if that makes Florida State throw the ball more, that's good for the Seminole side. Um, I have been a little encouraged by what I've seen, especially today at Florida State's practice. It feels like this team, they're not – they're not sitting on what's happened the last two weeks. They're looking forward to this opportunity against Clemson to try and beat a top five team. And they know that Doak Campbell stadium is going to be rocking on Saturday night. I too think this one is going to be close, but I've got Florida state coming up just short because of Clemson's offense, you know, over 30 points and all six of their games so far. I don't think that's going to, that's going to stop. And this one, I've got Clemson 31 Florida state 21. Mm. Mm. Okay. So it didn't really change much. I think on Tuesday you said like something like 31 14. 17. So maybe. Is that what you said on Tuesday? I think so. So now you remember. Yeah. So you gave you gave him a little you gave him four more points. Well, that's nice of you. Just man, that defense for Clemson. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the difference in this game. They have an elite defense. Florida State has a good defense, a good offense, but that position group from Clemson changes it. And, and to your point about Florida State having good offense and good defense, we haven't seen them be good at the same time. <laughs> like or play four the defense forward. was amazing against NC State, and the offense was dog crap in the second half. And then you look at the Boston College. Boston College doesn't really count, but like I've yet to see these two play cohesively. I've yet to see both great offense and great defense at the same time. And play a full four quarters. Yeah, that's the thing about this team, man. If they could play a full four quarters, they'd. Did it for a majority of the game against LSU. Yeah. And we were sitting up in the press, but I was like, dang, this is an easy weekend trip. We get to get out of here and have some fun. This is awesome. But you go in that fourth quarter. I'm down there for 25 minutes on the field, and Florida State's allowing LSU to come back into this game in the fourth quarter for no reason whatsoever. Whatsoever. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm with Dilo. I really like today's practice. This team is very much looking forward to this game. Very much. And, you know, the staff is ready for it. Um, I, I'm just worried about injuries. I um, also do think, like I said, Florida State's offensive line wasn't so great in that first half against NC State. Better in the second half. Uh, it's just going to be not much of a different animal. This, this is a talented group coming in. I, I like that Florida State is at home. I think that helps quite a bit. Uh, it's going to be rowdy and doke as it usually is when Clemson comes in here. Uh, definitely when Dabo Sweeney's there on the field, there'll be some loud boos. Uh, the energy is going to be great. And, uh, and Tallahassee is going to bring it. But I really am starting to think, man, Florida State is hurting and losing out on Fabian Lovett. And we'll see if we get him back later in the season. But damn, damn, damn. You know, when Robert Cooper is by himself and, you know, you know you have Malcolm Ray, you'll have Farmer on the side, Jarrett Jackson there too. It was crazy how much those two fed off of one and the other guys. I mean, you know, Fabian Lovett, was a menace and so uh you know i i've been kind of iffy on this one 
but nothing's really changed from my gut like I was against that NC State game. Um, I, I think Florida State sadly loses this game and goes on an 0-3 streak. I've got 27-17. Florida State's going to score the same amount as they did last weekend. Just not I, – I, I don't know. And I, and I don't I don't know if it's with Mike Norvell and the play calling and such, but I'm really amazed by how Florida State doesn't know how to put away games. And I don't know if that's just – you know, you have that one – it's a three-year thing where you learn how to, like, win the – compete, and but you lose the big games, <laughs> then you compete, you lose by little, then you win yeah, the big ones that. or whatever whatever that, yeah, good Lord. whatever that bullshit is, whatever that goddamn that's, – That's Bobby Bowden's mantra. <laughs> that that yeah. that thing there. Lose big, lose small, when, win when small, do you what, what What year do you learn to put away games? And um, I don't think it's going to be that type of game anyways, but – Florida State has a chance, like Brad said, DJ and that offense, they have a slow start to games. And we've seen Florida State's defense step up in games, and we've seen it with Adam Fuller, but I don't know if it's going to be able to go for a full four quarters. So they're going to have to rely on Jordan Travis and taking those explosive shots. They can, and Clemson is suspect of that. So that's why I'm not really saying FSU can't win this game, but I think it's going to be a 10-point difference there. And. Also, also to know how much is the ACC going to want to protect their one good team? <laughs> yeah, with the refs. Yeah, Florida State versus the refs again. And will there be a holding? How many holding calls will be missed in this game? Should, should we set the over under at one and a half? I'll take the under. <laughs> one. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, or like, I mean, I think uh, yeah, they're gonna miss. They're gonna miss a lot. Last two games have, have been ridiculous. Um, Florida State. Against Wake Forest and North Carolina State, 21 total penalties for 196 yards. So 10.5 penalties for 98 yards a game against uh, their last two ranked opponents. And you look at Clemson, only six penalties for just over 60 yards on average through the first half of the season. So that could be an underrated thing that plagues Florida State. I mean, man, they only had, I think it was 25 – 25 total penalties in the first four games of the season. And then it's this just really, games, like, really racked up over the last couple of weeks. Those were for games that were really disciplined, really sound. You know, even the penalties they were committing were, you know, iffy at best, you know, especially going back to that LSU game. And then this complete flip of the switch last two weeks, penalty wise. Mm-hmm. Like Carol said, I hope we're wrong. I wish I was wrong last week, too. I wish I really was. I was so close to being right last week. Just. I, I'll be honest, I nailed it, guys. You're close. You were. I was pulling for you, Austin. I was like, dang, yeah. VZ's got us this week. I was so close. If fuck, if Malik McClain catches that ball. Mm. My score prediction. With the season, man. Mine last week was 21-17 NC State, and it was 19-17. So, I mean, that's yeah. as close as it can get right there. And I've been pleased, too. I mean, I, I thought Leonard Warner had a good game last week, but, you know, he's definitely hit his ceiling and the limit there. But I've been pleased with Florida State trotting out these second-team guys and, and them going out there and producing well. And that's something Florida State has done a really good job on the coaching side of things. That's something worth noting, which we'll talk about after the season. A lot of good coaching and developments that we've seen from, from some of these younger players, which gives you such good optimism going into next season in 2023. So. Uh, we'll see. Uh, keep an eye on Ja'Kai Douglas, man. I, I feel like he's been ready to rock for a little while now. So look for number zero on offense. Uh, and he, uh, let's jump into some ACC tip-off real quick. 
VZ, you were in attendance for that. We'll do it to end off the podcast. You got to hear from Leonard Hamilton. You were there with him, your guy. Also, Kayla Mills, Matthew Cleveland, the young stud. How did, how did everything go today? What was your kind of feel coming out of that? How does this, uh, does this feel like a confident team like we've heard in years past? So I, I was talking with someone, you know, a couple hours ago, just, you know, we're spitting notes at each other. And he goes, this is the most bullish I've heard Coach Ham about a team in a long time in the preseason. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And uh, one of the first things he said is we really like this team. We really like their confidence, their commitment to work. And he just kept going on. You know, I think people are going to be surprised about Nahima Cloud. I expect great things out of Cameron Corn, the freshman out of Houston. Or sorry, Dallas. Um, he, he just kept saying such great things about these players. And, you know, I think the Canada trip really helped them with that. You know, bring these new guys along. He said the new guys are a lot further along than they expected them to be. Because that was, that was the big problem with last year was it took forever for the new guys to get used to the system. And if these new guys are you know, integrating quickly and gelling and getting that chemistry right. You know, the, the schedule gets off to a very fast start. You know, you play at UCF the first week, then you're at home against Florida the next week. So the, the schedule gets going quick, and these guys are going to have to play together very, very quickly. Um, but I, I was very surprised at how confident Hamilton was. You, you re- very rarely see him that confident. Um, and even even Matthew Cleveland had some confidence to him that, you know, he, he said it last year. He's like, I wasn't very confident last year. You know, just going in and out of games, not knowing what to expect. He he looks like he had a little bit more swagger to him, you know, a little bit more confidence in his step. Caleb Mills looks like he's put on some weight, which which we knew he needed. He was very light last year. He's he's definitely added some weight this offseason. Um it was it was a it was a good time, honestly. It was good seeing everybody. Coach Am said what's up to me a few times. It was great seeing Chuck Walsh, you know, Ryan, the creative director guy. Um it's a good time. Creative director guy. Hey, Ryan's I mean, a good guy. Ryan's a Again, great guy. G guy, we saw him on a rest stop heading to Louisiana, actually. <laughs> that was really random, but yeah, he does great work over there. There's a question on here, VZ from Michael asking, is this the first time in a while that all five starters are projected are not first-year players? McLeod, uh, Mills, Fletcher, Worley, Cleveland. Um, No, not at all. Um. <laughs> Florida State's the way the way Leonard Hamilton is is you know the most experienced guys are going to play for they're at least going to start and then you know whoever ends the game ends the game um, but I mean even going back to the national championship t- or what should have been the national championship team uh, <laughs> no dang call it now yeah um, screw I mean, COVID but, but that team was Trent Forrest MJ Walker Devin Vassell Turk and Olenichuk all guys that were veteran players. Um, obviously that was a London Chuck's first year in the system, but he's still a veteran player. And, you know, this year is no different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's a weird team. You know, I, I've alluded to it before, you know, you only have five guys that are returning and none of them have been playing at FSU for longer than a season. You know, Caleb Mills has been there for a season and a half because he sat out that half of the year after he transferred from Houston, but no one's played longer than a season. It's crazy. And I was talking with Mills about that today. He's like, you know, that's kind of way college basketball goes these days. Um, and now I'm having to find that I got to be more of a vocal leader than just leading by example. What, what did Leonard Hamilton or any other players, some of his teammates, talk about Baba Miller, a guy that I'm really excited to see play this upcoming season for Coach Ooh, Am? Baba. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so God. I, I asked Coach Hamilton about Miller. 
um, in the breakout interviews room, which is kind of separate from the main stage press conference. Um, and he goes, you know, most of these first year players, you know, take a little bit of time to adjust. You know, it's just it's just the way first year players are. And, you know, the next thing he says is he hasn't had to adjust much. He's been very smooth. Granted, he's only he's only practiced five or six times because he was dealing with a hip flexor injury. Um, but he's 100 percent healthy now. And uh, apparently he's looking pretty solid. I think it's going to take him a little bit to get up to speed. You, you kind of see a little bit. The European games are played a little bit slower. Um, it's gonna, I think it's going to take him a little bit to get up to speed for college basketball and the way Florida State likes to run and especially play defense. Um, but he's going to be an exceptional player, I think. Who is going to be the leader of this team? Because like you said, most of these guys haven't been at Florida State for a while. You've got a lot of new faces coming in. I don't believe there's a senior – on the roster this season, if I'm correct. And, you know, you think of years past, Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest, um, MJ Walker, Raekwon Gray, always had some veterans that could step up in crucial moments and and lead Florida State as well. Who's going to do it this time around? It was going to be Jalen Ganey, you know, just just talking to people after he went down with what Hamilton confirmed was an ACL injury. Damn. Um you know, he was going to be that that heartbeat, that, you know, guy that's going to get everybody pumped up, that energizer coming off the bench and, you know, grabbing 12 rebounds, blocking three shots, you know, really getting the crowd involved. That's who he was going to be. And, you know, he was the most experienced player. He was the one senior coming in. Um, now he'll get a medical redshirt and play in 24. Um, it, now it's going to come down to Caleb Mills, who he has a very experienced player, you know, was – or AAC freshman of the year at Houston. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about Jalen Worley and how vocal he's been this offseason. Matthew Cleveland's said he's taken a big step in his leadership. Um, I, I think those are the three guys you're going to be looking at. And even Cameron Fletcher, you know, I, I think he's going to be a little bit slept on as a leader this year. Yeah, I thought that was big for Matthew Cleveland going to represent FSU there. Young guy at ACC tip-off. I think that was pretty big there. It goes to show his improvement there as a lo- as a leader in that locker room. I'm, I'm starting to get more excited, though. Get into that groove, definitely with you being there today and getting some of the quotes. I'm starting to get into a little basketball groove here, and it also depends on how usually how it goes the last couple of years with Florida State football. You know, doing its thing. You know, we don't need to bring up your picture that you took in New Orleans, but, you know. Just depends on how football look, look, goes. At, at I think you took, get more attention to the basketball side. At, if, uh, at least it took four weeks for me to break it out, and I had to do right. some photoshopping. So um, yeah, hey, and, and dealer, that didn't get a lot of engagement, did it? No, nah, it didn't. Nah, I was no. I was expecting to get some hate yeah. comments, and I didn't. You could have done it if it was earlier. That they didn't. If they hadn't gone four 0 you would have gotten some good engagement. Yeah, if, if it, it was like it's Wake Forest, like it's a good team. If we lost at Boston College, oh man. Oh, that would have been. You'd have gotten like picture. four more likes, four or five more likes. <laughs> no, that would have been a profile picture. <laughs> Oh my god! Not your hotel lobby one, right? The one you got right now. You know I could have taken that for you. I could have gone down there and That's taken fine. that for you. No, you was... were you you were drunk. So, well, did you take that when I was drunk? Yes. Damn. <laughs> what was I doing? Was I just like in the corner, like in the no? Elevator? You were all, you were on the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, go up to your room, Logan. I'll down here to take <laughs> some because well, I, I wouldn't got a parry because I was thirsty. Oh yeah, it was, a, it was a very human night in New Orleans. That was a five five dollar parades. Mm. They, they were four dollars. Four. Mine was five. What happened? You got the wrong one, buddy. <laughs> I got Sorry. blue. Yeah, I got green. That's why. Dang. 
Green's, yeah, the, green's the best power. No one, no one wants that. That's why it was four bucks. Yeah, green's, <laughs> green's the best one. I will, I'll stand by this. <laughs> Y'all didn't think about getting me one. I had a pretty rough no. morning. You, I, you were. I charged I mean, it to your room. I don't. I didn't get to drink it. You, you gave me you like also, a you. At that point, you weren't making coherent sentences. So. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. That was a stretch from. And, and I was, to I was ready for you to go to bed. I was ready to go to bed. Mm, that was tough. Nah, well, to end yeah. off, to end off the basketball talk here, which is divulged into something else. Austin, you know this injury to Jalen Ganey, it could be really big for Florida State. Now, Naheem McLeod, who got hurt last year, it's it's crucial for him to stay healthy at the center position. And then it seems like Cam Corhan and. Bob and Miller are really going to have to play big roles now coming in as true freshmen. As well as Florida State, they're probably going to have to play a little bit of small ball there with some different guys at the four or five. So, you know, the guards and wings on this team seem pretty strong. But how do you project the bigs and the guys who are going to contribute at the four and five? I think Florida State's best lineup this year is going to be Jalen Morley at the one, Caleb Mills at the two, Darren Green at the three. Matt Cleveland at the four and Cam Fletcher at the five. You're going to see a lot of Cam Fletcher at the five this year. Very strong for someone six seven six eight, and it's going to hide some of his inefficiencies that he had last year. You know, he he got toasted off off ball last year, getting beat back door. You know, he, he would gamble on a steal and get burnt. UNC was going at him consistently in the game in Chapel Hill, and that's the reason Florida State got down. What was it, twenty four to one or whatever it was? <laughs> I remember. Um, it, you know, playing him at the five in some of these situations is going to help him a lot. You know, he can just be a bully in the post. He can be scrappy. It's going to help hide some of his foul issues too. Um, I think it's going to help him a ton. And I think that's, like I said, I think that's going to be Florida State's best lineup because you could switch one through five. Everyone in that lineup is, you know, between six, five and six, eight, super switchable, super athletic, super quick. Pretty, pretty much everyone there could shoot the ball for the exception of Matthew Cleveland, who, yes, he's made some improvements this offseason, but, you know, it's better than what he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not expecting him to be even close to being a good shooter, but I think he'll at least be respectable. But everyone better. else is, everyone else is going to be a good shooter. You know, Worley shot 30% from three last year, but made great strides in ACC play. Darren Green is one of the five best three-point shooters in college basketball, in my opinion. Caleb Mills has a strap of all straps and Cam Fletcher shot 36% from three last year and is only going to improve. So I think that's going to be your best lineup. Fletcher's going to play a lot of small ball five. I'd expect him to be your backup center most of the time. I like me some Cam Fletcher. I do. He's entertaining to watch. Uh, Stan, this is a great comment on here. The only green drink acceptable in, in New Orleans is a hand grenade. That's what my head felt like on Sunday morning. <clears throat> Didn't help. I woke Hopefully up at friggin' morning. 7 a.m. That was an idiotic idea to get up at 7. Hopefully your head felt like that on Monday morning. After on, on, on Monday morning? The game was Monday. on Sunday, so. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, my head felt like that on Sunday morning when I woke up. Oh, you woke up at 7 on Sunday? Oh, you yep. tripping. I was tweeting at like 8 o'clock, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I don't, know, right I don't know how I, put, I did it. I put something in the Discord. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no way Logan's awake. And then you responded right away. I'm like, what is happening? <sighs> I told you I wasn't feeling when we went up high up there and the Superdome too. I was feeling really off. I was not feeling good at all. <laughs> I do remember that you were like crouched down. Oh, I was not feeling he, good. Not I felt once. like wheezy. So, so, so me and Dustin sit down. We get our laptops out. My oh, wife, y'all are I wasn't chilling. Working. 
yeah, we're chilling, we're getting ready, and Logan like puts his backpack down, looks up, he's like, he's like I'm gonna go grab minute. a water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I was like, I need a minute, man. I am not feeling great, and I'm not already a big heights person, but then the fact of only sleeping a few hours and then having whatever I don't know what I put in my body past maybe like five o'clock all the way to four a.m. It was bad. It was ugly. We know not to do that again, even though like the next few weekends I did that. But at least we we're at least it was without me. I didn't have to, I didn't have to experience it. That's right. That's right. That was oof. I, didn't, I didn't have to experience you leaving your phone in the casino and me having to find it for you. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I didn't know where I put it. I thought I didn't think someone took it. I was like, dang, I left it somewhere, but I really need to get it because I would really suck to go to the game tomorrow and have no phone. Oh, man. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast, everybody. Shout out to Brad. That was a great insight from Clemson there. Some good stuff there. Full 30 minutes. If you guys are just now watching, make sure you go to the first part of this episode and listen in. He gave some good stuff on what Dabba Sweeney is going to bring in into Tallahassee this upcoming weekend. Florida State's going to play in primetime this upcoming weekend. Doe Campbell is expected to be full of energy and be rocking. We'll be there for full coverage all throughout it. VZ, you going to be there for the instant reaction with us on Saturday night? Probably. My, one of my friend's birthdays is a Saturday, so we'll see. I'm like, I'll watch the game. No like, way you're staying out anywhere past 11 o'clock. I, listen, all right. Give me some credit. <laughs> I was at a concert last weekend until 1 a.m. Okay, so now concerts, concerts are way different for you. Whenever the concert concert's coming up for a weekend, I'm like, oh, we're not hearing from VZ. He's, he's a concert guy. It, Dustin texts me. He's like, yo, VZ, you hopping on? I'm like, it's midnight. The concert just started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't. Dustin sometimes. Who did you? Me. Who'd you go and see? I was, uh, Eric Church Kit, for the 18th time. No, it was Kit Moore. Good concert. Really good show. Got VIP access. Meet and greet. It was a good Damn. time. Damn. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I was having a lot more fun than y'all were. Damn. I'll say that. <laughs> I, oh, I, I was to... sick too. I was <laughs> sick too, and I, I was telling people to like, we gotta that get was this a rough recap. I was like midnight, twelve something, and yeah, I was I think, sick I think and not feeling good at like, all. I think you ended up going on at twelve thirty, and I'm like, yeah, nah, I was, I'm good. I'm sure, yeah, exactly, yeah. But hey, we'll we'll make sure to send you that stream link, buddy. When it, this one will you be another, this will be another twelve thirty. But hey, maybe it'll be good or you not. You can send it. I may not be in it, but you can send it. <laughs> I'm going to start sending to some of our comments people in here and get their takes. But, yeah, we'll be down there for our instant reaction right after the game, late afterwards when Florida State takes on Clemson. So we'll be inside dope giving you guys that. As always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Hit that like button before you jump off of Facebook and YouTube. We definitely appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys on Saturday night. Enjoy the game. Safe travels to Tallahassee. And, uh, yeah, see you guys. Yeah.